Football on Off The Ball. Brought to you by the new Boil Sports app. Bet €10 and get a free Now TV Sports Mobile Month Pass, showing exclusive darts and Premier League action. Okay, 53106 for 30 cent is our text number. You can get in touch with us on all of our social channels. We're continuing with the uh, news that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been appointed as the interim manager at Manchester United until the end of the season, leaving his current club, Molde, who they do expect to have him back by the end of May. So there's a, a decision to be made there in terms of the trust between the two clubs. Just to get an insight onto his managerial style and what Manchester United fans and football fans in this part of the world can expect over the next few months. We thought we'd talk to someone who knows him pretty well, former Norwegian international striker and Swindon Town striker, Jan Arge Fjortov, uh, and very much central in the media in Norway now. Jan, thanks so many for taking the call. Uh, good evening. Um, tell us what we can expect from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. If you were to sum up his management style, how would you describe it? Well, first of all, I think the skill that Manchester United have asked for is that he's not Mourinho. He is a totally other personality than Mourinho. I was there by the Champions League game. I was in Valencia. I was interviewing Jose Mourinho and the camp of Manchester United is bankrupt. It's broken. So they needed to do something. And I think what they're looking for in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a humble man. He's a, a man that has learned his trade at Manchester United. He knows their DNA. And I think, and first and foremost, and I think that hasn't been too much up, but I think that, say, in a tabloid way, they have appointed Sir Alex Ferguson. But he's too old to go down, and he don't, he don't want to do it again. He don't have the hunger. So they got Mike Phelan in there. They got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in to try to get those values, to try to use his advice no, to steady the ship till they get the manager who, who's going to take them back to the top of, of, of the world, I may say. I mean, that is the level of Manchester United that we're used to. So do you feel he has the skill set to try and mend some of the fractured relationships that, that clearly exist in this dressing room? There are a number of egos in that dressing room that may feel they were bigger than the previous manager, maybe they feel they're bigger than the club, and for whatever reason they haven't been putting in as much as, as would be expected of them, that Solskjaer has that kind of unifying, bubbly personality, that friendly face, if you will, literally and metaphorically speaking, that could do just that job? Well, I think uh, there are some relationships in that camp that, uh, that was down to Mourinho in terms of it was a personal battle. Having said that, there is no excuses for Paul Pogba, Pogba to have that kind of season he have had. He is a world champion. He should take responsibility out on the pitch. Mourinho, no, or Mourinho, yes. It doesn't matter. So I'm just wondering what kind of excuses Paul Pogba will have next time we'll have a bad game for Manchester United. There are no excuses for that. And, and you may see uh, Oleguna Solskjaer as a uh, baby assassin. He will have his face. He looks like he's still his 13 years of age. But no manager will accept players who think they are bigger than the club. And no players historically have been bigger than Manchester United. And just we just remember back uh, Van Nistelrooy or, uh, or a Jap Stam, they were told to go if they felt they were bigger than the club. And I think these are the values they try not to get in again. First, no, steady the ship, try to get some points so the season won't be that embarrassing. It's going to be hard for them to be top four. So... Talking about being a surprise that Oleguna Solskjaer comes in, but to be fair, it must be the best time ever to take over Manchester United. They can only get better. The camp can only get better, and they can win more games. 
What's his managerial stock in Norway at the moment, Jan? They finished second of the league this year behind uh, Rosenberg, just five points behind them. And obviously Rosenberg are familiar to most people, particularly this season. They played Celtic yet again in, in the group stages of European club competition. Is he held in high esteem within Norway? Are there question marks over why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hasn't had the offers of other big enough jobs, Premier League jobs, Bundesliga jobs, since he last um, was in the Cardiff job, that he's actually spent all the intervening time back in Norwegian club football? Yeah, but I think it's a fair question. And I think that uh, uh, that <laughs> we are a little country in Norway. We are extremely proud of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, what he achieved as a player and, and now being the Manchester United manager. But, but I think it, it's a fair question because Norway is down on the ranking of, uh, of the leagues uh, in Europe. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had a chance at Cardiff, and uh, he, he'll probably be the first one in the queue saying, yeah, he didn't do well there. Uh, he, 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 was, he, he looked to me being very naive in, his, in his, uh, uh, the approaches to, to which kind of players he, he got into the club. But this is another story. Now, Manchester United is looking for a personality who could get them in, can, can mend, mend some broken hearts, mend a dressing room that is terrible, and then they have to have a look around. They could go for a manager who maybe wasn't English or maybe couldn't speak even English, but they, they went for a guy with a DNA. In Norway, we've seen a, a hard-working Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who, is, uh, who made Molde the champion for the first time ever in his first spell. Then he went back to, to, uh, he went to Cardiff, but then he came back to Molde again didn't have the success maybe that he hoped. He hoped they would be uh, chasing more for, for the titles. And but we always knew if, if, if Manchester United were knocking on the doors, of course, they would let him go. And you, you have to say, Molde's been generous as well. Remember, their league starts in March. And for the first time ever in football history, I guess, uh, a manager has gone on loan to another club. So it's a kind of, it's a special story, this, about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer going to Manchester United again. I know this isn't, uh, you know, hugely in-depth research, Jan, but I am looking at the Norwegian league table as it finished a few weeks ago, and his Molde side conceded 36 goals in their 30 league games, which is more than the two sides that finished below them, and obviously more than the side that finished above them in Rosenborg. I'm not going to expect to read an awful lot into that, but the point being that Manchester United defensively have been an absolute mess this season, completely the antithesis of what you expect from any Jose Mourinho managed team. Has he the wherewithal to change things defensively for a team, or do you believe that merely getting more out of the players in terms of their work ethic, their focus, the amount of energy they're willing to expend for the team, running harder, running faster, running longer. Their, their running stats have been abysmal this season in comparison to the rest of the clubs in the Premier League, that even that will elicit an improved defensive performance, merely just putting more pressure on the opposition, therefore making it more difficult to score. Well, I guess everybody who saw Manchester United on Sunday at Liverpool saw that that must be, and I'm, I'm 51, I think that's the weakest performance I've ever seen of a Manchester United team, ever. There was no pattern. You can say there was only, uh, it was not like a 3-4-0, but still, it was a terrible performance of Manchester United. I think that the players now have the chance to show, well, they, they, have, they have been hitting or hiding behind Mourinho and said that the, the camp is not good. What Ole Gunnar has to go into that dressing room to say to them, look, you're Manchester United players. This is embarrassing. And, and Ole Gunnar will tell them that. That is not what I expected from Manchester United. I remember my time in England. We played against Manchester United and we were 1-0 when the game started. 
And this Manchester United team, now you expect to go to Old Trafford and get something out of the game. And as you're talking uh, about the defence, look at Liverpool this season. Uh, they still got the 3-4 up front who will score goals for them. But look at the, go- the, the defence. They've tightened up the defence. And the Manchester United defence, I can play them now. I'm on 51 and I would score goals. Are you worried that if he does take that sort of approach where if he does go in and say something like, you know, this is simply not good enough. I know what it takes to play for Manchester United. I know what it takes to win with this club. I played under the best manager in the history of this club. That given that he's only there until May, aren't there, isn't there a risk that the players in this dressing room who are already down tools to some extent under Jose Mourinho will just merely feel that this is not the guy they need to impress? The guy they have to impress is the next guy, not Solskjaer. So why and what reason is there for them to really put a huge amount of effort in for a guy that's only going to be there for 12 weeks? But I think, this is a, I think you can turn that around. You can say you have the chance now because we are working to get great, a great manager in. You saw at Chelsea what a new manager can do for you. Manchester United, they have spent awful lots of money They've got quality players in there, but they have to produce it on the pitch. So they have the chance now to show that they have the attitude to be Manchester United players. Some of these players, if they don't uh, raise their act, if these players are not producing, they won't be at Manchester United. And believe me, they won't be in any other big clubs either. Because we have seen this season that great names are average players. So they have the chance now, and this is a part of the deal, they know now, and Ole Gunnar will, will use that. You have four months now to sh- say or show Manchester United board, a new manager, whoever there will be, that you are a part of the future of this club. They got money. They could spend the game, and they can go in there big time. And some of these so-called big names in there, and I'm not only talking about Paul Pogba, there is some other usual suspects in there as well that is playing very badly, uh, that they have to improve. And if not, they will regret the rest of their life that why didn't I take my chance when I was a Manchester United player. There are players all around the world who want to play for Manchester United. Well, these guys are there and they have to improve their game. So I think that will be opposite. That could be a motivation for them. He has a reputation in Norway for putting faith in young players pretty early in their careers, Jan. And a couple of the names that we've heard are Erling Haaland and Eric Kestad. And if he thinks they're, they're uh, good enough, well, then they're definitely old enough. And I wonder if he's not getting the reaction that he feels he should be getting in the early days of his uh, short stint at Old Trafford that he might actually maybe start to look at some guys who he may have spent some time working with back in the day or that have been coming highly recommended to him by the academy, academy management of the club? Yes, I think he will. I think that, will, that is his ground philosophy, exactly as you said. But there I think the experience that he had at Cardiff, I think Ole Gunnar would, would agree with me that he was a bit naive in Cardiff. Uh, I mean, you could, like another coach used to say, you, you have to plan long-term, but you have to win short-term. Laguna will spend five months there now, and he has to win games. He, has, he needs to get points in. And that is a part of it. He will put people on the bench. He will probably give uh, the occasional start. But Laguna, uh, Solskjaer, know, know that he has to get the results. So I don't think he will have that naivety approach there. He will look for young kids. But remember, he worked with a guy called Paul Pogba in the academy. So, so maybe the first job he got to do is to sort him out. And just a question on Mulder's role in all of this. They, they've been pretty classy in the way that they seem to have handled it. They have said that they're happy to lend, is the word they've used, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to Manchester United and that it's a statement of trust 
The, ma the Manchester United Ask Molda FK to lend the manager is by itself an event and not least a statement of trust for both Solskjaer and Molda. Is there any way that this won't go as Molder are hoping that it will go? That for whatever reason, Oleson Gunnar Solskjaer does such a good job that the new manager, whoever it might be, Pochettino for example, wants to keep him on or that the Manchester United hierarchy want to keep him all if it's gone that well and that Molder might actually end up losing this guy long term. The funny thing is that in 1996 when he went, he scored a fantastic ball against Azerbaijan. I was playing that game, I was there. And when Ole Gunnar then went to Manchester United, it was a surprise to all of us. And the two guys who brought him over with their private jet was two guys, two owners called Yelsten and Röcke. And now, 22 years later, it's the same two guys who let him go to, to Manchester United. I think that is a risk. They, they, they will know about that. They will know that they, that will be a chance. I think Ole Gunnar, in his wildest dreams, think that he can win every game and then we stay on as a as a manager, but I think I think that I, that that's ke, ke sera sera. I think now it's it's all about getting in there. They wanted, they knew they are business people. They knew this is a business deal. This is a dream come true for any manager, and they had to let him go. And I think that Molde has been practical. Uh, Molde has shown us they've done with their talent. They've taken talents to the club. When they've improved, they sold them sold them to bigger clubs, as they did with Hall. Are now going to Salzburg, one of the best talents we have in Norway, a striker. So they they do the same with a coach as well. So I think Molde has been very generous. Maybe they were being intelligent and pragmatic about the situation and thinking the only way to hold on to him as the manager is to allow him go. If we put a barrier in exactly. place, he will leave anyway, and we'll have lost him for good. Exactly, exactly. Are and they I being well compensated, Jan, for and, that? Are they being, in relative terms, are they being compensated well for starting the new season without their manager? Yeah, we, we hope they will get some compensation, but I think, I think it's a good valid point that you're saying that they, ha they want to keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He is, he's a, a local lad, he's from, a, or they won't say that in the neighbour town, Christiansund, where he's from, but uh, they will keep him there, and I think Molde will be okay. Uh, they will get a, maybe then a, an inspired former Manchester United coach back, but that's not that bad either. Finally, Jan, give us your thoughts on what you've seen over the last few weeks at Manchester United and what potential you feel is in this squad that the new manager will be inheriting. Do you see a broken squad that needs complete and utter upheaval and an awful lot of money spent or is it a squad which has not really been uh, utilised as best it could that clearly Mourinho was unable to get the best out of these players and if some a manager can come in and get them to play to the right tune that there actually is a huge amount of untapped potential among so many young players like Lingard, Rashford, Martial, Pogba, Romelu Lukaku a lot of guys who have we have not seen at their best for the club. Do I think that Manchester United is good enough to be a top three of the English Premiership with that squad? Absolutely. Do I think that Mourinho was a bit past at Manchester United? Absolutely. I was surprised. I was one of his biggest fans when he, when he stayed at Chelsea, when he came to England. Fantastic leader, the way he improved players. But how he's been this season with Manchester United, that, that has more or less shocked me. I, I can't believe that he got that little out of that squad. That squad is good enough to be much, much higher. And you, you mentioned some names there, but I think that First of all, Leicester City will ruin every discussion about football teams in the world. It's about getting individuals to create them and get them into being a team. A good manager, which you have seen by Sarri. Sarri comes into Chelsea, 
He sorts them out, a way of playing, a way of us against the rest of the world. He has sorted that out quite quickly. I think with the right manager in Manchester United, we will see Manchester United back. But having said that, it's hard now. You compete with Liverpool uh, off the road. People want to play for Liverpool. They want to play for Klopp. Uh, you have going to Manchester City with all they, those money and with Pep Guardiola. You want to play for Klopp. They need a manager in. They need a philosophy in there that people like to be a part of the project Manchester United again. I mean, it's going to be hard, but I'm 100% Manchester United will get back there. Do you see Jose Mourinho getting back to his former glories and getting an opportunity at a big club and managing successfully at the highest level again in the near future? Absolutely. But uh, I, if I would be Manchester, uh, the former Manchester United coach, and all, I would take some time off. I would do like Tuchel did after Dortmund. He took a year off, then he took PSG, like Pep Guardiola did. Take a year off. I think Mourinho should uh, use some time now to educate himself. Uh, it, uh, the plans or, uh, that he had a couple of three years ago may be a bit past him. He has to look now to see that the teams who are winning now are the teams that have a path, pattern going forward. Uh, that not only adjusts the game to the opposition, and I think that is good for us neutral supporters. That's happening, and then I guess Mourinho will be back to a club near or somewhere uh, in the future. Okay, yeah, and it's been brilliant chatting to you tonight. Thanks so much for making the time for Cheers. us. Li- likewise, bye bye. That's a Jan Agafjortov, Swindon Town fans. I don't know how many there are in this aisle, but they will remember him with uh, very fondly. And of course, uh, we would have watched him in the World Cup in '94 in USA as well. That's uh, Jan Agafjortov giving us his thoughts on the interim appointment as the manager at Old Trafford in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We'll bring the latest on the two Carabao Cup quarterfinals that are taking place this evening, and then of course, coming in the next hour, it's going to be Wednesday night rugby. Football on off the ball. Brought to you by the new Boyle Sports app. Bet ten euro and get a free Now TV. Sports Mobile Month Pass, showing exclusive darts and Premier League action. Okay, so it is uh, the uh, Wednesday night football show, and I'm delighted to say that uh, the best Premier League commentator on off the ball has joined us in the studio. <laughs> Sounded a bit like Kevin Coban there, didn't I? <laughs> how are you? Nathan Similar patronising tone. <laughs> yeah. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? What a week. Bloody hell. What a couple of days. Bloody hell. It's the first time you and I have had a chance to discuss it. Yeah. Uh, not were you caught by surprise? No, not at all. Not Left. by the uh, the actual eventuality itself, but just by the fact that it's happened so quickly after the Liverpool game, which you were obviously at. No, I felt leaving Anfield on Sunday evening that they were either going to sack him this week or they would keep him till the end of the season. Because it ca- couldn't get any worse than what we saw at Anfield on Sunday. Beaten 3-1, could have been 5-1. Exact same against Manchester City earlier in the season. So they've been outclassed, completely outclassed by those above them. But also, you look at the first half recently against Southampton, against Newcastle. Crystal Palace, Valencia. These, these games where they got through by passion and a little bit of character and a little bit of excitement and energy in the second half. But actually, on game plan in the first 45 minutes, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing. And 19 points behind Liverpool, a million miles off the top four, and all the nonsense around the club, it felt as though it had to end. Mm. And he just, there was no great energy to Mourinho over the last few months. It got boring. I was one of those people, you're probably quite similar, people who are in the game love Mourinho because he's very good for the media and he's very good to the media. He will always talk to you, no matter how bad the result is, 
he will come out, he will face the media. He's a brilliant communicator. He will come out and he will make his point again and again and again, whatever it is, controversial or not controversial. But even that was gone this season. He stopped doing that. He'd go to Old Trafford and there was nothing. He just didn't seem to have the desire. Whether he looked around that group and felt this rightly, that he couldn't turn it round, mostly, I would say, of his own doing. But it just felt it has lost all its energy. And I said to you earlier that watching United on, on Sunday... They were a small team, a small club. This was Fulham or Burnley going to Anfield. This wasn't Manchester United giving up possession like that and hoping against hope that somehow they got lucky. Which they did for 45 minutes. Which, which they did, absolutely. Go in at the break at 1-1. <clears throat> and I was thinking to myself, Do you know, they Mourinho could masterclass. They could leave here with a 1-1 draw mm. and Mourinho would put that down as a positive point, albeit that still would have left them, what, 10 points off the top four. I thought it was appropriate in a way that the two goals were deflections because it was always going to be that way for Liverpool. I was asking Kevin during the commentary, like, like, should Liverpool have a bit more about them here? They're up against a team who have no ambition. If you're p- true, proper title contenders, should you not have a little bit of nous that you can pick them apart? And you're kind of going, well, actually, it's very hard. Yeah. It's extremely difficult. They're doing everything right. There's just no space. They're taking pot shot after pot shot which United are happy to let them do. But the massive risk is that one deflection, it all goes horribly wrong, and that's exactly what happened. They got rightly punished for that. So I did think, leaving Anfield, that can't get any worse. Very much like Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane and that last week with the FAI, and a lot of the conversation was about money and can they afford to sack him. I felt the same thing. They couldn't afford not to sack him. If it was £15 million, which was what they're saying in the end, it's nothing to Manchester United. Nothing. Yeah, especially if and this is a huge, if very unlikely, scenario that they somehow claw that 11-point hmm. deficit back. Well, you're, you're in the black then when it comes to the amount of money you've had to shell out compensation-wise in comparison to what you're going to generate via your participation in the Champions League next season. There was a couple of things that you mentioned there, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll bring them up. One was um, the players <clears throat> and how you've said in a couple of the games where, particularly in the first half, where they started really badly, they did drag themselves through those games. Like, they did beat Newcastle. They somehow managed to win in Turin against a Juventus team that many seem to be in the top two or three uh, contenders mm. to lift the Champions League. And in a week where a lot of people are obviously blaming Mourinho for the United's woes, but they're also pointing the finger at the players, saying there's stuff going off the field that shouldn't be. It's a fractured dressing room. There's guys who don't really care enough to play for Manchester United. Sometimes I looked at them and thought, they're actually digging results out in spite of the lack of a game plan, in spite of being hung out to dry by their manager on a regular basis. Like, it took a serious amount of character to come back and beat Newcastle in the last 20 minutes, beat them 3-2 with the amount of pressure that was on them in that week, to hang in there against Juventus, to dig in at Anfield in the first 45 minutes in the face of a barrage of energy and pace and power and explosiveness that they simply were not not equipped to deal with. I, I'm See, not... You've been brainwashed by Mourinho who has played down the ability of these players consistently. That's why it was difficult for Liverpool. These aren't chumps. These are all internationals. These are I'm, I'm not playing down the ability players. of these players. But I'm just, you're, you're, I think the new manager coming in now looks at a squad mm. that is brimming with unfulfilled potential. Exactly. But the unfulfilled potential this season in this team, but players who have shown throughout their career that they do deserve, the vast majority of them, to be putting on a Manchester United jersey. Maybe not being starters every week, but being good enough to be in and around a Manchester United squad. There will have to be changes. There's no question about that. Juventus was a game they could have lost 3 or 4-0 in that first half. 
But you're talking about Newcastle. You talk about Palace, Southampton. These are the worst teams in the Premier League. So players of that ability are always going to get a chance. Newcastle had no confidence. Southampton had no confidence. Crystal Palace had no confidence. Second, you get a bit of momentum. They falter. They fall apart. They suddenly get frightened that they're up against Manchester United and they're up against Lukaku, Rashford and Martial. That's all that happened there. It, of course, it, with the Southampton and Palace games, that, that it didn't happen. It there. didn't happen They there. didn't win those games. That, but even still, there was, a, there was a comeback within those games and there was a bit of fight about them. But I think it was more to do with the opposition. And I think they are good enough, even against Liverpool the last day, the back three were good enough to hold their shape when they were pushed back, which meant that Andy Robertson and Klein, when they bombed forward again and again, didn't get that ball inside the mm. six-yard box where it got past the first man. That never happened. But what will be interesting, I think, and one of the jobs you'd imagine for Solskjaer over the next six months is that when he leaves the job, that he's handing over a group that he understands, that he can go to Pochettino or whoever it is and have a full debrief over a few days and say, I've looked at these players on the training ground. This guy is good enough for Manchester United. This guy isn't. Actually, do you know what? Mourinho was right about Martial. His head is gone. He hates Manchester. He's not a good trainer. Regardless of what Solskjaer, if, if he puts together a document, for mm. example, um, and hands it over with lovely illustrations in it and PowerPoint presentation and make sure he brings it to the right ring binder that puts a little bit of laminate on and everything, that's going straight into the bin. No matter who, well, because if it's a Pochettino or a Zidane or a Simeone, an Allegri, whoever it might be that is the next permanently appointed Manchester United manager, are they going to put any stock in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's opinion of these players? They'll want to see them on June 25th, whenever preseason starts, themselves, and they'll only form their opinion on what the future of these players at Manchester United are by what they see with their own eyes in preseason. Surely Pochettino is not going to take any, anything from whatever someone like Solskjaer might say. I wouldn't be so sure about that. I think suddenly now you have a second <coughs> opinion, you have a second set of eyes on these players. I'm not saying he has to take his opinion on every single player, but whereas at the moment we're sort of looking at them through Mourinho's eyes, and you're very confused about where Lukaku is and where Pogba is and where countless of these players are. If another manager, like if Martial doesn't work under Solskjaer and he hasn't worked under Mourinho, is he going to work under Pochettino? Or is there now actually somebody who can give you an honest opinion who isn't going in with vindictive eyes like Mourinho seems to have been? Maybe it's not Pochettino he's having the conversation with. Maybe it is a director of football that he's having this conversation with and it's taken out of Pochettino's hands, which I guess is another part of this debate as to do Manchester United restructure the entire footballing side of the club, which is probably something they need to do. But I do think there is an opportunity over the next six months to actually see what these players are about and, and get rid of the excuses for the players because I'm sure, I'm surprised there wasn't stories in today's papers of the United players out partying last night when the news <laughs> came through. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens with United over the next couple of years. Somebody like Martial, you just, from... Euro 2016 on, it just hasn't happened. It felt like it was set up for him to go to Euro 2016 and become Kylian Mbappe, to be that world superstar. Even Marcus Rashford, who I know is hugely rated, and you often hear him, he's a new Michael Owen. He's, he's of that level. He hasn't been able to get in the Manchester United team. He hasn't no, but been when you see what he does for England, the way that he played mm. in Seville when England beat Spain in that thrilling Nations League game, the range of his passing that night and his ability to finish, which is not something we've seen very often when he's wearing a Manchester United shirt over the last 12 to 18 months. I'm with you on that. What but do fascinates you not think, me most... 
is now that the pressure is off, mm. now that they're not going to be hounded in the press by their own manager, now that maybe someone's going to be in charge, whether it's Solskjaer or whoever comes after him, that is going to take the handbrake off and not focus on the negative ways of playing football, that the players are going to maybe, possibly, be allowed to play to their own strengths. Like any manager in the Premier League would be, outside of maybe Klopp and Guardiola, would be only too pleased to have the six or seven guys that play with the ball at that club. I'm talking Pogba, Mata, Martial, Rashford, Lingard, Romelu Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez, mm. Fred, who we've seen absolutely nothing of, either defensively or offensively over the last couple of weeks, can't even get into the matchday squad, that we will see this potential being unlocked. Now, they may not be good enough to finish fourth, but they might win a few games. They might win a few games, say, 4-3 or... But that's where I think the opportunity is when I'm talking about finding out more about these players. That if the potential is unlocked in Marcus Rashford and he ends the season brilliantly, and Martial does, but Lukaku doesn't, and Lukaku still looks out of his depth a little bit against the better teams, well, then again, from whoever the next manager's point of view, you can look back in that six months and say, and when you're having your conversations, we need a new striker. Lukaku, it's not going to happen. Let's get rid of him. Rather than somebody going in after a season of Mourinho, where you're probably going in and Ed Woodward saying, well, listen, give these guys a chance. Give these guys a chance. He can now say, well, they've had two chances and they haven't made it. And maybe you're properly coming in next summer with an entirely fresh mindset. But I, I did feel yesterday when this initially happened and the hours afterwards where it wasn't quite clear who was going to be the caretaker manager and what the potential lining up Pochettino for the summers seven or eight months in football is an absolute lifetime you can plan for Pochettino they're not going to be allowed it's impossible to see them being allowed approach Pochettino between now and the end of the season officially whereby mm. there will be a handing over but you process. know there will be there will be back channel discussions like Daniel Levy and Ed Woodward will, will, will be speaking in the next the month league? I would think what if Spurs win the Champions League I really don't think that's something they're going to have to worry about you just don't know, though. You don't know. Look, Leicester won the Premier League title. But this is what I mean. That, that all these different things Well, then it's the change. perfect time to leave White Hart Lane, isn't it? If, you're, if it is Pochettino, and so, what, 2016, he signs his new contract at Spurs and he gets his title changed from head coach to manager and the feeling that he wanted to take more responsibility for transfers. And if they're looking at the club, the Glazers and Ed Woodward thinking we do need a director of football, we do need a stronger footballing voice, and then actually four months later you're going to Pochettino and he's like, well, I'm not working with that person. Like, all these things need to somehow be figured out over <coughs> the next It's not months. a done deal. No, I, um, I do think it w- is remarkable, and like, I wonder what your thoughts on this, that it seems bizarre to me for a club and a company of Manchester United's stature, the biggest in the world, the lack of of footballing intelligence around that club. So they have Bobby Charlton and they have Alex Ferguson who, from what we can tell, are very much hands-off. They're, I'm sure there's polite conversations ongoing. But Ferguson doesn't have his hand in football anymore. He's not travelling around Europe looking at what is the latest technologies, who are the latest names, what are the things we can learn. He's not like that. But when Jose Mourinho gets fired, so when he has that meeting with Ed Woodward, who does Ed Woodward turn to to say, what next? What is best practice for us as a football club? Like Michael Carrick, it seems, was the strongest footballing voice yeah. left in the club. That they didn't have a director of football or somebody with the clout who had worked around Europe. That is looking at Borussia Dortmund or looking at Bayern Munich or looking at the Spanish teams, looking at up-and-coming coaches, thinking, as Arsenal did last year, and didn't just bring in one director of football. They brought in three or four strong voices to 
whether to unsettle Arsene Wenger or to plan this new structure for the club. I just think it's quite remarkable for a billion-dollar business to be left with Michael Carrick. Well, you see, they have the equivalent of a director of football driving that billion-dollar business. And that is way, the way Manchester United are being run at the moment. They have in Ed Woodward, mm. <coughs> and now his colleague who works, still uh, runs the office in London, guys who are able to maximise the earning potential of this club. They are in a position that Arsenal were in before they made the appointments that you've just referenced now, albeit several years too late. But when, between 1986 and 2018, every single season you have had this unbelievably big personality in charge, a dictatorial-type mm. personality, bar six months when David Moyes was in charge. Every other day they're spent either under Alex Ferguson, Louis van Gaal or Jose Mourinho. None of them would ever countenance the appointment of a technical director or a director of football. So you could argue they have never actually been in this, they've never had the freedom or the wriggle room to actually go and make an appointment such as this because the guys they wanted in charge at that given moment in time would never countenance mm. such a development. So I mean, that's one reason why it hasn't happened. But you're right, that fact that when they do turn around and go, right, what do we do now? There is literally nobody that Ed Warburton can, can turn to. And that is what they now have to change. And the, the guy who's going to be trying to pull the strings over the next four or five months, as we found out today in an official capacity, a lot of talk about it yesterday, is United legend Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. This is him taking charge of a training session with his current club and his still future club once he goes back to Norway, Molde. And if you can, does anyone want to shoot? You're 18 yards away from goal and you keep passing it. <coughs> shoot! You won't ever score a goal if you don't shoot. Finish! Gima, you're here! Coming towards you. Take it, took, go! Shoot! You're one on one with the keeper there, you're playing with the wall. Shoot! Matias, you dribble two or three, you're here! Shoot! I think he's given them a license to go for goal. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those videos that in six months we'll decide whether. This was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, positive Manchester United mould attacking philosophy or somebody with no tactical insight at all <laughs> and his only game plan was shoot. <laughs> well, it's hard to use the, his Cardiff experience as a rod to beat mm. him with because when he arrived they were a mess. They were a bit of a basket case as a club. Um, they've only come back up into the top flight in the last um, six months or so. So... It wasn't just Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that was unable, unable to stop the rot and look, the owner there. What can you say about the ownership structure that was in place when he arrived at the club? So I'm certainly not going to take Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as being <clears throat> the manager that spent those short few months at Cardiff. But one of United's biggest problems is that they can't defend. And they've already conceded one more goal in this season's Premier League than they did in the whole of last season. What can Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do to try and improve them defensively? What's his nous in that department? Is that where Mike Phelan comes in? Is that where Carrick comes in? Both of May are obviously maybe a bit more defensively minded than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is or ever was. Quite, quite possibly. Again, I, I don't think they're all <coughs> terrible defenders, but some of the statistics that have been thrown out. So the only team that they've outrun this season in a match were Fulham. If the players simply aren't trying because they hated the manager, if you get a little bit, if you get 10% more out of every single player energy-wise, maybe suddenly... It makes it harder for your opponents your to score. Exactly. <laughs> and they will Simple get fewer shooting opportunities. The opportunities that they do get, there'll be a bit more pressure on them while mm -hmm. taking them. Um, that's definitely one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is that your confidence is at an all-time low. Victor Bay, Eric Bay is not the player 
I think, overall that we are currently seeing. I think there's so much more in him. He's, for me, he has everything that you need. Mm. Bar a manager that's willing to back him. I'm not quite sure if you can throw Victor Lindelof into that same category, but I don't think we've seen enough to make a really well-rounded opinion on whether or not he has what it takes to be a, a top-class defender. We'll see that over the next year and a half if they're kept at the club. A manager that knows what he's doing, that knows how to put a defensive game plan in place when you lose the ball, and is willing to put the right guys in and around him. You've already got a brilliant goalkeeper in behind them. Twelve months' time, we'll know whether Lindelof or Bay can cut it. We were, I remember when Vidic and Ever arrived at the club. <clears throat> now, both players have been at them at Manchester United longer than they were when they were being written off which was only a few months into it, they both arrived in January. We were, everyone was writing them off straight away. Turned out to be two of the greatest defenders the club ever had. Yeah. Because you had a manager that knew how to get the best out of players. There's no doubt that Solskjaer has a really tough task because of the time he's coming in at the season. So they have very winnable fixtures between now and when they go to Wembley to take on Spurs in the middle of next month. But he's no time on the training ground. Mm. So all you need... All you can do is the basics, which I imagine is where Mike Phelan comes in and they decide straight away, we're playing three at the back, we're playing four at the back. You stick with that. I'd imagine they'll keep it as simple as possible. And then you try and use your motivational powers. That there is 20, 40% more to come for all these players. And that that's what turns it around. And, and maybe the shoot, shoot we're hearing there is part of what the message will be from above. These Manchester United supporters want to be entertained. That's one of the major problems that happened under Mourinho, that it coincided with Guardiola and Klopp, both of whom get their clubs emotionally, but also play brilliant football. Mm. It's exciting. Liverpool may not win the league this season, but they're going to bloody enjoy the ride. because they get their players emotionally as well. Exactly. They are so in tune with what their players want and feel mm. and need. And that brings us to my, my last question for you before <clears throat> we say goodnight to you. Gary Breen was on the football show last night and he, st- he said that he doesn't believe that Jose Mourinho is a dinosaur in managerial terms and that he still believes him to be an elite level manager and that he still has the capacity to go to a really top club and win another Champions League. Now, Gary Breen knows an awful lot more about this game than I do, but I couldn't disagree more. Why? I think that Jose Mourinho's teams are set up in the exact same way as they were when he arrived at Chelsea. With some pace out wide, big man up front and physical power elsewhere in the team. And that just doesn't cut it anymore. And that's the sort of thing he tried to put in place with United, with the likes of Lukaku and Fellaini and Emmanuel Matic. And while the players he's using there that I've just named maybe weren't of the calibre of a Duff and a Robin and then the more physical guys like a, uh, a Drogba and a John Terry, for example, and a Ricardo Carvalho. I, he still sees the game, in my mind, the way he did 10, 12 years ago. And the game's passed him by. So unless he hits the reset button and undergoes a huge rethink on his footballing philosophies, he, he won't ever be successful again. I don't think I would quite go that far. He's still only 55. He won a title, what, five years ago in England? Yes, yeah, yeah, five years ago. So five years ago. <coughs> for a start, a five years is five he, years. He most certainly was the wrong person at the wrong time for Manchester United. But do you he think that he sees himself at fault in any way just... for what's gone on over the last year? <sighs> Maybe not is he, right is he now, looking but at I would imagine when he sits down over the coming months, he will look at himself in the mirror. We're talking about an incredibly smart man who has come from being Bobby Robson's translator to being the most dominant coach or one of the two most dominant coaches in football. But an incredibly stubborn man as well. True, but... He has another, what, 10 years probably in management. I don't doubt for a second that he will get many more big jobs. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back in the Premier League in the next four or five years in any way at one of the top five or six that are there right now. But I do think he has it in him to reinvent himself or to slightly alter himself. I don't that, know if that, we'll that's ever. That's really my point. I don't know if we'll ever see Mourinho playing a Guardiola or Klopp style of no, football. But there is but a there mean, is a reinvention required. It doesn't mean that you can't win Mourinho's way. But to win his way, you need the right group, and he needs to be able. Like he, the group he had at Inter. Exactly. So if he was to arrive at a club, maybe like a like an Inter, for example, a club with a storied history, but at the time. They aren't necessarily where they want to be or where they mm. feel they should be and that they will do and the players will do whatever he says. They will all buy into it. Clearly that was a big issue at Old Trafford because they simply didn't buy into what he wanted well, that's to the, do. You do look it, through that United possible. squad now, no matter who comes in. and like Who are the characters? Who is the leader of that Manchester United team? Whereas you look at Chelsea, it was a perfect time with Terry, with Lampard, with Drogba, these hugely ambitious players who became his boys, became his players. Likewise at Inter... Madrid obviously was a bit of a basket case as well. But there's nobody you'd look at United. So Paris Saint-Germain is the place straight away he's been linked. Like you would look at that and think, again... You're just digging the same hole for yourself. Exactly. You you can't come out five games in and say, well, Neymar does this, that and the other. You have to play him every week and somehow you need to get the very best out of him. But this is clearly the lowest point of Mourinho's managerial career. But I most certainly wouldn't bet against him bouncing back. Okay, you've left all options open for yourself there to look like. I think like, I sat like the in the fence, did I? In three or four Whereas years, you've written them off completely. <laughs> I'm going to write them off, and you're, you're on the presumption that no one will remember. Exactly, <laughs> you can back him to bounce back in the years to come. Nathan, thanks a million. Um, we're going to do some more on the Mourinho story, but from a different, slightly angle, a slightly different angle after the break, because we're going to talk to Matt Hughes of the Times in London, who's written a very interesting piece today. And Marita Pochettino, he believes this is a job that he covets and may well end up in in the months to come. We'll talk to you in a moment. Football on Off The Ball. Brought to you by the new Boil Sports app. Bet €10 and get a free Now TV Sports Mobile Month Pass showing exclusive darts and Premier League action. Well, it's been a pretty entertaining and interesting evening for Deli Ali. He's got a brilliant goal for Tottenham. He's been cracked in the back of the head by a water bottle thrown by an Arsenal supporter and he's got himself a yellow card for playing on after the whistle had gone. But his goal was Tottenham second. They do lead 2-0 and they played uh, just shy of the 90-minute mark at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal have had plenty of chances. They've actually played quite well, but they've been undone by two long balls from the Tottenham goalkeeper, Gatsaniga, one which was converted by Hyungman Son, the other by... Deli Alley after a brilliant through ball to him from Harry Kane. So Tottenham are going to be going through to the uh, League Cup semi-finals. It looks like Chelsea will be joining them there as well because Aidan Hazard has finally broken the resistance put up by Bournemouth at Stamford Bridge this evening. Six minutes before the end of the game, Aidan Hazard gave Chelsea the lead and they are in injury time at Stamford Bridge. Over in Germany, Bayern Munich have beaten Leipzig. A late goal, seven minutes from time from Frank Ribery. And in the Scottish Premiership, Celtic are going top as things stand. They lead Motherwell 3-0. Hibs and Rangers are still scoreless. So unless Rangers get a late winner, it will be Celtic going in on top of the Scottish Premiership. I think that's the third different leader of that division in the last week or so. So that's all the things happening in terms of the live sport. Uh, we're going to continue to look at the Jose Mourinho story. We'll give you a different angle on it 
the view from London and Mauricio Pochettino because he is obviously being touted as the bookies favourite for the permanent position of Manchester United manager. Um, we will hear from Matt Hughes of the Times in London. We're going to chat to him in a moment about Pochettino's links to that job. But first, let's hear what the man himself had to say when asked about it in his pre-match press conference yesterday. No, first of all, I want to send my best wishes to him and I feel so sorry um, because you know very well I have a very good relationship with him. He's a very good friend and, and always is a sad news uh, what happened today. And then uh, to follow your, your question, it's not my business what happened in another club. Only um, I want to send my, my best wishes to, to Jose. Uh, but you know, I think after nearly five years, it's a lot of rumour that happened in my, my position here like a manager in Tottenham and I cannot answer um, this type of uh, question because this type of, of rumour happened in that business, in, in football. And of course, uh, always I am so... Um, I respect a lot the opinion of everyone um, when the people price me, when the people is not agree with me, when the people... Um, say different things or something that um, that business uh, we know very well that uh, the rumor uh, a lot of rumor happen and but it's not um, it's not my business what happened in another club now um, I am so focused in trying to deliver my best uh, and our best job in in this uh, in this football club um, and now we have a head, a very busy fixture. We tomorrow we play another derby, so important derby for us. It's quarter final of the cup, and I think you and 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 all the people understand that I am focused, and we are focused in try to tomorrow to deliver our best show. Yeah, Marito Pochettino speaking yesterday ahead of the Carabao Cup quarterfinal. Matt Hughes, the Times Deputy Football Correspondent, is on the line. Matt, you've been writing today about what you believe to be Pochettino's desire for the Manchester United job, that if we get to a situation whereby Old Trafford and the Chiefs at uh, White Hart Lane or Tottenham are able to come to an agreement that Pochettino actually is willing to leave. What, are your, what, how, what is your understanding of that? What is your source in terms of why you believe that to be the case? Oh, well, my understanding is that he would be interested in leaving Tottenham for United under the right circumstances. Um, and I was actually quite surprised to hear that um, yesterday afternoon. Um, obviously, Pochettino's done a great job at Tottenham in the five years he's been at the club. They're clearly progressing every season in the Champions League. Uh, regularly, he's got a good relationship with, with, with the chairman, Daniel Levy. And they work closely together. Um, and obviously going to United would be a leap into the unknown. Um, however, having made some phone calls yesterday to people who have spoken to Pochettino about this, generally, not yesterday, I must say, but um, generally, they, they, their sense is that he would view this as a too good an opportunity to, to, to turn down. And while there are problems at United, clearly, he would feel that he could quite quickly get a massive improvement out of that squad and would also um, relish the chance to um, have access to greater transfer funds than would be afforded in Tottenham, given, given their ongoing need to pay for the new stadium. He, he essentially sees himself, Matt, and you can understand why, as a Champions League winning manager and potentially one of the best and most successful managers in European football. Does he believe at his core that that simply is not something that he will be able to fulfil as the manager of Tottenham Hotspur? 
I doubt he would admit that, but I, I think privately there's probably a realisation that it's going to be very, very hard for him to win the Champions League and, and the Premier League at Tottenham in the next five years, given the strength of the competition in England and Europe, and, and given the you know financial restraints of building their new ground, which they're hoping to move into in the next couple of months. He talked about that yesterday. He made the point that Tottenham have, you know, unique, well, along with Arsenal, they've built huge new stadiums, um, basically using their own money, which um, no other club has done, and it is a remarkable achievement, but it does impinge on on their ability to compete on the pitch. And I think Pochettino has done an incredible job in keep, keeping Tottenham competitive and at the top of the table. Um, and there probably is a feeling that he probably can do no more there, uh, given 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 the current climate. When he signed the new five-year contract in May of this year, Matt, that was just weeks before the summer transfer window opened. Did Maurizio Pochettino sign that contract on the understanding that there would be no players coming into Tottenham over the course of the summer with the, the shadow of the uh, stadium looming large, both literally and uh, metaphorically, or... Was that something that was sort of becoming clear to him as the weeks and months went by and that he wasn't overly pleased with? I don't think it was that clear-cut. Um, I, I think they told him, you know, they were active in the market last year but didn't close any deals. I think part of the reason for that was their inability to offload players. Um, I mean, we saw with the sort of um, Pochettino's irritation at being unable to uh, play fourth in the, uh, the Champions League tie against Inter last month. Uh, you know, Tottenham squad is, 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 is full. You know, there's players that aren't getting in the 25 um, because they have bodies, but they haven't got the right bodies. And I think while Pochettino would have been happily offloaded players such as Dembele, Danny Rose, maybe even Aldevero for the right price, that didn't happen. And as a result, the club's hands are tied on incomings. He was um, very obvious in describing the situation financially at the club over the last 48 hours, literally reaching inside his tracksuit trouser pocket and turning it inside out and showing that it was empty when he was asked if there was any money to spend on incoming players in the upcoming January transfer window. Um, he says, I don't have any money, so I won't be bringing any players in. I guess it's something you have to ask, how long will he tolerate that situation? He's obviously a pragmatist. He knows that this is going to be one of the best facilities and one of the best stadia in European club football, but it means that his hands are tied financially. How long will he put up with that? Well, that's the point, isn't it? That's the the, the question that uh, is making people very nervous at Tottenham at the moment, and particularly if if a club of Man United's stature come in for him, which I think they will. It's easy for Tottenham fans to sort of, you know, pour scorn and Man United and say, oh, they're a mid-table club, they're, they're a shambles, they're not going to get in the Champions League next year. But the bottom line is they have a global appeal and, as a result, financial resources that Tottenham will, will probably never have, uh, as well as, you know, a very long and distinguished history. Um, so if, if they present Pochettino of a, a long-term project, give him a transfer budget, give him power over signings, I think he'll find it very tempting and, and maybe too tempting to turn down. Will they, do you think, given that they now look to are looking to appoint a technical director or a director of football at Old Trafford, which is obviously a departure from their entire history, 
will they give him the control that he probably enjoys at Tottenham or how much control does he have at Tottenham at the moment because I know Daniel Levy and one of your colleagues in uh, London Matt Law on the Telegraph was writing this week about Daniel Levy he, that's one of the points he would be putting to Pochettino that if you go anywhere else you will not have the same control over incomings and outgoings and of the finances when it comes to per- playing personnel at Manchester United or Real Madrid as you would do at Tottenham how much control does he actually have and is there, there a worry from Pochettino's point of view that he would lose much of that if he went to Old Trafford um, well, I don't think these are binary situations. He obviously does have a degree of a great deal of control, but you know, if you have no pounds to spend, it doesn't matter if you have a choice of how to spend it, um, which has been the situation for, for twelve months at Tottenham. Um, and I, I kind of, I kind of think that the director of football thing is a, is a slight red herring in this. There the most important imp- appointment to Manchester United is a manager. They have to get that right. Um, and in getting that right, to get that right, they will, they will compromise on the director of football um, and they will not appoint a man over the manager's head that he's not happy to work with. Pochettino's worked with directors of football before. He worked with Paul Mitchell at Southampton and also at Tottenham. He wasn't replaced, but Tottenham and United are very different clubs. Daniel Levy is de facto technical director, really. He runs that club. Ed Woodward... Um, it's kind of tacitly acknowledged that he does not have those skills and they feels they need more help in the transfer market. Um, I don't think that would be a stumbling block to uh, recruiting Pochettino, providing they could agree on the, on the right candidate. You also wrote and today... He may, he, may, he may even be, be asked to bring someone with him. Yeah, well, that I was just going to ask that question. You also wrote today that, as you understand it, United are actually preparing an offer, not just for Pochettino, but for his entire coaching staff, Jesus Perez, Tony Jimenez and... Uh, Miguel D'Agostino as well. So I guess they have to reach an agreement with Tottenham first. But so as you understand it, the bookies are right in having Pochettino leading the betting at the moment, that he is the primary target for Manchester United and any other manager after that would be second choice. I mean, these situations are fluid, but that's my understanding at the moment. And people around United certainly were not um, attempting to, to play let down yesterday, which is unusual in itself. Um, it will cost them... You know, money. He's got four and a half years left on his contract, so it's going to be you know pushing forty million, I suppose, putting all his coaching staff as well. But given what they've spent on, you know, average players, given they continue to give out big contracts for players that are injured often and aren't contributing, uh, I don't think that will be a be, be a problem. Uh, ultimately, it will be come down to the relationship between Pochettino and Levy and whether he's prepared to ask to leave. Yeah, we've seen players sign new long-term contracts almost as a, a sign of loyalty to the club in that I know I'm going to be leaving. Luis Suarez did it at Liverpool, as did Philippe Coutinho, for example, that you are just putting your club in a position where they will get a huge transfer fee as opposed to having to sell you at a cut price maybe because there's only 6, 12, 18 months left in your contract. Basically the opposite of what every Arsenal player has done at the Emirates over the last 10 years. Was that contracted, signed and made, that five-year contract. Do you think that was part of what was going on there, that Pochettino wasn't necessarily guaranteeing that he was going to be hanging around White Hart Lane for five years, but he was maybe doing Daniel Levy a favour in that the compensation would be absolutely extortionate if or when he's poached by a bigger club? Um, well, it suited both parties at, at the time, didn't it? Obviously, Tottenham don't want to lose him, but if they're going to lose him, they're going to make sure they're paid for it. Manager got a got a big pay rise, and he would have calculated that if a big enough club won him, they they will be prepared to pay the fee. And from Tottenham, there are only a, you know a handful of clubs 
you could join him. I mean, he's not going to go to Arsenal. Um, he wouldn't go to Barcelona, given his history at Espanyol, unlike no knowledge of the German market. So you're talking United or Real Madrid, possibly Chelsea at a pinch, but that would also be difficult. Um, so all those clubs have the resources to, to pay what it takes. And I actually don't think it is extortionate. If you think that Fred costs £52 million, the manager is the most important person at, this, at, the, at any football club, which is why Mourinho has lost his job. So um, I actually think that the £40 million would be, would, would be money well spent. Is he the kind of guy that would have reservations about going into what appears to be a broken dressing room at the moment, full of egos, that he doesn't necessarily have to deal with at Tottenham because he, he just seemed to have them all pulling in the same direction? Or is it something that he would uh, that he would relish, that he would see so much potential that's largely untapped or certainly being underutilised in this Manchester United dressing room, that when he looks at them as a group of players, he thinks of the huge possibilities? Well, I think it's fair to say he's been more comfortable working with young players throughout his career and has clearly developed them very well. But, you know, let's not forget that is part of the tradition of Manchester United, which Mourinho never really tapped into. So that should be seen as a strength. In terms of um, working with big characters, he's got half the England team there. Um, he's got France's World Cup winning goalkeeper. So, you know, he's not, it's not, he's not an academy coach. And, uh, I think he's sufficiently strong-minded and, frankly, a sufficiently impressive individual to be able to take on that dressing room. And the other thing about Pochettino is he doesn't stand for any nonsense. You fall out of him, you're gone. Um, Carl Walker, many clearly wanted to leave, barely played for Spurs again. Alderweireld barely played last year until he came back into the fold. Um, so he's not, a, he's not a manager to mess with. And I, and I think he could really stamp his authority on that dressing room. If it becomes apparent, Matt, in the weeks and months ahead that Pochettino is open to a move, that will surely alert other clubs around Europe, including Real Madrid, maybe one or two other big clubs that might struggle to win the silverware that's expected of them in the next couple of months, like a Bayern Munich, for example, maybe even a Paris Saint-Germain. Who knows what options might be available to Pochettino if it does leak out that he's actually willing to make a move and that Manchester United might actually have some very stuff, very stiff competition to deal with? Um, possibly, but I think if this is, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen privately and you know fair, fairly straightforward. I don't think it will, you know, become apparent. As you say, I think these deals are done privately. The Guardiola to see the deal was done way in advance of the announcement. Um, I mean, there's no way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's move to United was done yesterday and that was that was kept quiet until it was, um, you know, basically all, all but signed. So it is actually, it is possible to um, keep these things quiet. Pochettino is a very, very small in a circle, he doesn't have an agent, just deals directly with clubs himself, gets a lawyer in to do the contract. Um, so I, I think if, if if both parties want this to happen and Tottenham give their blessing, I think I, I think it will be. This is really a conversation for Ed Woodward and, and Daniel Levy to have, isn't it? Yeah, quite. Um, and they obviously see each other. It's going to be very interesting in the next... Uh, Premier League meeting next month. They've ever ten that. Uh, I'd be very keen to be a fly on that particular <laughs> ball. I'm sure there'll be lots of photographers uh, waiting outside whichever Mayfair hotel they're meeting in. 
And it's clearly something Daniel Levy's going to be anticipating. This will not hit a man of his experience out, out of the blue, that he will be steeled, he'll be ready. We've heard in the past how difficult a negotiator he is. Anybody who has spent time across that negotiating table with him has generally left with their wallet empty and their pride battered and bruised. Yeah, um, and I think he'll make sure he gets a good deal for Tottenham. But that being said, um, United have just paid off a year of Mourinho's contract that he only signed in, in January, so that they're not averse to throwing money around if, if, if they deem it to be necessary. Last couple of questions on Tottenham themselves, Matt. Where are we with this stadium? When, when they take on Borussia Dortmund in February, will that be a White Hart Lane or will that be at Wembley? We're even hearing talks now of uh, leaks in the roof, issues with the pitch, um, further delays possibly in the pipeline. Are they going to play any football this season at the new White Hart Lane? Um, I mean, on this story, you'd be daft to put any money on a particular day, but I, I think they will get in there this season. Um, they have made good progress. Um, they obviously had 6,000 fans in last week and to look around, and they're kind of aiming February or March at the moment. Um, <clears throat> so the Dortmund game is very much sort of touch and go. That's on the cusp of when it could possibly be ready. They would obviously love that to be one of their first games. It's such a um, you know exciting fixture, and they've done very very well to get free this stage given the group they were in. Um, but they cannot guarantee that now, so I certainly can't. Finally, uh, Matt, you've been very good with your time. Is there anything in your mind that Daniel Levy can do between now and May to keep his manager? Uh, well, he could um, try and loosen the purse springs in January, I, I suppose, and make firm pledges about money going forward but um, the problem they have it's not just transfers it's the whole, it's, it's the wage of listen they managed to get Harry Kane to sign new contracts but they've got a whole host of others that need renegotiating as well um, and they still have a, ver- a fairly tight pay structure so um, I think ultimately it's about it's about their the, big, the, the biggest the best card he can play is the strength of their relationship and um, the esteem in which Pochino is held in by the Tottenham fans, because when it just when it comes to you know resources and ambition, they just cannot compete with Manchester United. Matt, thanks a million. No problem. Cheers. That's Matt Hughes, the Times Deputy Football Correspondent, just given us the Pochettino and the Tottenham and the London-based side of this Jose Mourinho slash Manchester United story. This will run a run and the rumours will continue to run a run until we get some sort of an announcement on who the next permanent Manchester United manager is going to be. Okay, 53106-30 is our text number. You can still tweet us on at Off The Ball. We'll get to some of your tweets and texts next. Football on Off The Ball. Brought to you by the new Boil Sports app. Bet €10 and get a free Now TV Sports Mobile Month Pass showing exclusive darts and Premier League action. 